My name is Braden Quishan. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. This is 2020. I'm Alec Cowan. Twenty Twenty is a new series from the Emerald Podcast Network in which we look deeper into an event from the recent or distant past, discussing what happened, why it happened, and just what the bigger implications of that event are to gain a clearer vision of our world. After all, hindsight is twenty twenty. On this episode, we're looking at Charlottesville, which has been rocked by protests and violence over the removal of a statue of Robert E. Lee, the Confederate general. On Monday, August 14th, a rally formed on the University of Oregon's campus in solidarity with those protesting the organization of the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Y'all ready to stand in solidarity with marginalized communities? I'm Sarah Zadavies. I'm the senior arts and culture editor at the Emerald, and I ended up covering the uh, a protest or a rally um, as a news reporter. What was the atmosphere like? It was really interesting. It was pretty pretty united in a way that I haven't seen Eugene politics be in a while. There were about like 300 to 400 people who gathered at the EMU Amphitheater, um, and then there were some speakers and. It was just really interesting to see these different signs. Like there was a sign that said, make Nazis afraid again, that I saw a former University of Oregon student holding. There were signs like depicting like Trump as Hitler, you know, just all this really interesting imagery of, you know, people looking at the current political moment from a broad picture of like, here's how things are affecting minorities. Here are, you know, here's how things are affecting minorities in our own community. You know, it was very, just very kind of a, in re- it was the event was in response to Charlottesville, but I think it really, you know, it was an interesting kind of broad look at how the current political moment is affecting people in Eugene, but especially minorities in Eugene. I want to make note, many of the people who spoke um, at the rally very, very, very much emphasized the role of um, this rally in helping people and being allies to minorities who are affected, you know, by, by what's going on. I am a revolutionary. And so how was the event organized? There was, I think, a variety of political groups and kind of community organizers in the community who came together in response to what's happening in Charlottesville and said, made this Facebook event that brought people together. Uh, Charlie Landeros. Charlie Landeros, everyone. I just want to start off by saying we need to always acknowledge the land that we're standing on. The land that we're standing on today is Kalapuya land. And the land all over this country is indigenous land, and we need to never forget that. There was a community organizer named Phil Carrasco. My name is Phil Carrasco. And I belong to this community. And nobody's ever going to kick me out of here. There are a lot of different groups involved, just different individuals coming together. 
important organizers in the community. Jackie Salgado is someone who also came together and helped organize this. Um, and she spoke with Anna Lieberman, a news reporter for the Emerald, about this too. But yeah, it was just a different variety of groups showed up too. Um, the Democratic Socialists of America, the local chapter, came and helped helped like lead the march. They were not actually organizers, as the article got wrong, but they were at the front of the march, and so were people with disabilities, those who were differently abled, you know, families. There were a bunch of different groups kind of that showed up and came together. Um, it was a wide variety of people. There were a lot of different, I can say there were a lot of different slogans that were being shouted as people marched um, towards towards the courthouse in Eugene. There was um, whose streets are streets. People shouted Black Lives Matter. I think the slogans are, are a great example of like just how broad kind of the focus was, though this was a march in response to Charlottesville, you know. There were shouts of Black Lives Matter. There were shouts of, again, this whose streets are streets. There shouts about being revolutionary, stuff like that. There was one interesting thing that happened, though, as I was walking, you know, taking pictures alongside the march. Um, a guy was walking the opposite way of um, the crowd, and he was holding a Trump pen sign, and I saw someone go up and tear it out of his hands um, and then rip it into pieces, and then people kept walking. That was the only thing I noticed as a reporter there that was kind of, you know, like someone combating what was going on, but I didn't hear any other stories of, you know, violence or anything happening. So it was very much a very rallied, you know, peaceful cry to help out people in the community. So there wasn't much opposition? I don't think so. No, not that I saw. I did leave a little bit early, but from other reporters who were there, I heard, you know, it was just this very, this kind of um, united front. So what were some of the issues that were spoken on? Actually, it was really interesting. The uh, one of the spoke, I think it was Charlie Landeros. I'm not sure who it was, who the speaker was, but I believe it was Charlie Landeros. And he spoke about um, Dee Dee and Dunn Hall. He referenced, he referenced like UOs, you know, the whole controversy with what's been happening with the renaming and like how Dunn was renamed to Unthink Junior, you know, um, Hall. And he referenced that as like, what type of community do we want to live in? Is this community where we're inclusive or is this community where we honor people who were involved with the KKK, you know, in the buildings we name? Which especially considering the history of yes. Eugene. Yeah, um, exactly. It is definitely a troubled history with the KKK. What do you think erecting a statue or naming a building after a known white supremacist and KKK leader. What do you think that does? It makes a place for white supremacy. What kind of community- Yeah, and so he, so this, um, this organizer referenced that. They talked about campus stuff, but they also talked about overall things happening in Eugene. It's interesting to see um, these different people speak about like, like one of the speakers, I believe he was Hispanic, and he was talking about going to the grocery store or going to the market and feeling like, feeling like his eyes are always open and he can never like turn off, you know, thoughts about his own safety and stuff. Um, he yeah. said something very poignant about that. Here, pride here, loved here, my family's here. We've set roots in this community, as well as several other Oregonians of color, mainly immigrants. And I would be lying to you if I said 
there hasn't been times in my life where I haven't been scared of anyone. Right? And, and when we think of freedom, when people talk about freedom, what they're really talking about is feeling safe. And when I walk out at night, when I get in my car, when I go to the grocery store, when I go to the bank, my eyes are always open. To the left, to the right, my surroundings. It's become my default. It's become There's a lot of really interesting, you know, kind of connecting what's happening in Charlottesville to our own community uh, very much. Um, they talked about how Eugene, though it seems liberal, is often, you know, there's, again, like this this history. And they spoke about how what's happening in Charlottesville could easily happen in Eugene. It was a pretty quick march, I would say. It wasn't super long. It was interesting to see different, like, the different chants kind of cycle throughout the long, you know, the long line of people, like, I would move between <laughs> between different parts of the march and you'd hear Black Lives Matter at one end and then whose streets are streets at the other. And has there been any real response um, outside of mm-hmm. the rally? Um, I guess both the rally, mm-hmm. but then also um, some higher voices maybe talking about Charlottesville and how that might apply to Eugene. Um, I, for one, haven't followed that as much because I, um, after the protest, I was like very exhausted from reporting on this myself. Um, but I've noticed um, a lot of people at the rally talked about how coming to the rally isn't the only thing people should do. Like that, like allies to these people should do. A lot of the, sp- the speakers spoke about how this isn't the end. Attending a rally isn't the end of helping people out, but you know, calling your senators and like holding this admin- holding Trump's administration accountable um, is something they talked about a lot. And how allies allies in the community. Their work shouldn't end there. So it'll be interesting to see what the repercussions are of this march um, across Eugene. It felt like a very, um, again, like this united thing, this very, this positive rallying cry for a lot of people I noticed. But I mean, I don't think the conversation ends there for the community. I've seen Facebook posts from different community members who are there and stuff like that about ways to continue the conversation. The shit that goes on in this town. We like to pretend like this is a liberal bubble. We like to pretend like it's so horrible that all of these things are happening in the, out in the world and they don't happen here, but they do. Thank you. In the time since the protests first began, President Donald Trump has issued several controversial statements. His initial comment received criticism for his condemnation of violence, quote, on both sides. In a later statement, President Trump more overtly condemned supremacists and neo-Nazis, saying, quote, Racism is evil, and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups. In each of his statements, Trump has defended the right of the Unite the Right rallygoers to rally and the protesters to protest noting that not all involved were supremacists or violent, and that many were, quote, very fine people. He has consistently defended provocation for violence on both what he termed the alt-left and the alt-right, which has received criticism from figures within the government. And he has defended as well the right of rallygoers to legally form with a permit. The right to assemble has been a touchy subject in the Charlottesville conversation. Outside of Eugene, thousands of protesters marched in Boston, New York, and in Portland to show solidarity with anti-nationalist protests. The ACLU has also faced backlash for supporting the Unite the Right organizer Jason Kessler and his First Amendment right to organize. 
This has all swelled into a conversation on what peaceful protest really means when it's used to showcase racist slogans and symbols. Billy Mangala wrote a story on white nationalists on the University of Oregon campus back in April. Hello, I'm Billy Mangala. Uh, I will be the editor of the Opinion Desk for the Daily Emerald next year. So, Billy, I'm talking to you today because you wrote an article back in April about two white nationalists who came to campus. Uh, what exactly happened? So on April 20th, there were two self-proclaimed white nationalists that came and stood right outside the EMU. Their names were Jimmy Marr and Chad, whose last name we don't have. Uh, and they pulled up, the two of them pulled up in a truck and they had a big swastika on the side. It had a sign with a racial slur written on it. Mar was playing magpipes in the back of the truck and a crowd of about 100 students came and stood around them. But it also happened to be on Hitler's birthday, so. So, with all of the symbolism present, like, why, why weren't they considered neo-Nazis and just white nationalists? Yeah, well, white nationalists is what they call themselves. Chad actually mm-hmm. said that they weren't about genocide or violence of any kind, and Mars said that this was part of his journey to self-realization. But the ironic thing is that Jimmy's, Jimmy Mars' Twitter handle is Genocide Jimmy, and I, that's pretty blatantly anti-Semitic and against what contradicts everything they just said. Mm-hmm. And you had said that a crowd had formed around them, about 100 people, and what were the reactions that people were giving? So there was obviously a lot of unease and discontent. A couple tours of the university were diverted, and the big moment was when a rabbi named Jack Noel stood in front of Chad and sang the Jewish people are still alive in Hebrew. Everything remained fairly peaceful, and there were some police watching in case anything got violent, but overall it was a good display of free speech, and there was you know peaceful dialogue from both sides. So. But as you wrote in your column, there was definitely one reaction you were looking for that you never really saw. Yeah, I was really looking for the administration to do something, uh, regardless of what they call themselves. If you look at Jamar's Twitter, as well as the swastika and the sign, it points to a really strong just signal of anti-Semitism. And that in itself is a violent thing to promote. That's what some of the discussion in Charlottesville has been about. Like, even though they are peaceful and not physically hurting anyone, they're still promoting an ideology that's built on violence. And then you reported that many students felt unsafe with their presence on campus. Yeah, so I think originally when I first heard about the Nazis or the the neo-Nazis on campus is over Twitter. I had just seen pictures of my friends were tweeting pictures and Snapchats. And, you know, the comment section were just, I don't think I want to go to school today. You know, I don't want to be on campus. And I took a day off that day. I didn't go to school. You know, I mean, I don't go to school sometimes for different reasons, but this was a very real reason to not go to school. And, you know, I, for one, as a person of color and as a Muslim, felt like it was pretty hostile towards my identity and existence. Uh I also spoke to Margaret Butler, who was a senior political science major and a member of the Oregon Hillel, which is the UO Community Center for Jewish Students. And she said that she was looking for some kind of affirmation that her identity is welcome, just like any other. Uh, She also said that when that type of anti-Semitism isn't shut down, it makes it 
more difficult to bring in Jewish students because they don't want it to associate with the campus. So she said she was, she said feeling safe is a human right that needs to be prioritized, even though free speech is a constitutional right as well. So then what kind of action were you looking for? Just anything from a statement to direct action. We had a big blow up with the Nancy shirt situation where the professor wore blackface at a private party on Halloween. And the administration reached out to students, um, I think the night after or whenever that was, but soon after it happened, about the concerns with the reception of Schertz's action. Um, they were attempting to make sure that students knew this campus was diverse and inclusive after some public outcry. And the Office of Affirmative Action and Equal Opportunity actually did a report into Schertz's situation and came up with the conclusion that even though she didn't mean any harm, her actions had a negative impact on UO's learning environment and quote constituted harassment under UO's anti-discrimination policies, unquote. So in this situation, the public discontent led to some reflection by the administration who at least showed that they cared about the perception of the incident, whereas when two neo-Nazis appear on campus, there's no comment whatsoever. But Schertz was a professor, so the university had a little more responsibility in what they could do in the situation, whereas Mar and Chad were both residents that just showed up on campus, so there's really not much they could have done, and since they were there peacefully, there really isn't any constitutional action they could have physically taken. Yeah, no, and that's totally true. Uh, one of the, I mean, one of the things that, great things that happened was that, you know, sure, they had the right to stand there, but... Students also have a right to counter-protest, and that's exactly what they did. Um, but one thing that we're seeing in Charlottesville is a question as to whether Nazi and white supremacist symbols are themselves attempting to incite violence through their message, which is genocide. You know, the Nazi party is a party of genocide, apparently. And free speech is such a difficult topic to navigate, and the UL had a pretty tough time with it last year. So we need to decide how far free speech goes before it starts hurting people and making them feel like their campus isn't safe. The university claims that it fights for diversity and individual identity, but there wasn't even a statement about the incident to reassure students that things are okay and that they should feel welcome and safe on campus. I can understand, I can understand not removing them because of legal reasons, but as a person of color and someone who has spoken to different minority communities on campus, you know, a little reassurance that two neo-Nazis on campus aren't ideologically acceptable would do a lot. It's very possible that, you know, the neo-Nazis could come again and could, um, you know, give a protest or a rally or whatever they were doing, the same as they did on April 20th. And, you know, it's, you know, I'm curious because if that does happen again, um, will the administration say something this time around? Because there was something said about Charlottesville um, from the administration concerning, you know, uh, affirmation of diversity and um, people of color, but that wasn't that wasn't there when Jenny Marr and Chad came on campus that day. So I'm just wondering if you know. If that's going to happen in the future, will the administration 
you know, finally speak up this time around. Awesome, Billy. Thanks for your input. Yeah, no, thank you, Alex. President Schill issued the following message on August 14th, after the events at Charlottesville. Quote, Dear University of Oregon community, Over this past weekend, we witnessed a tragedy in Charlottesville, Virginia. White supremacists and neo-Nazis, many of whom were armed and dressed in military uniforms, marched on the University of Virginia's campus and took to the streets to spew venomous hatred. When they were confronted by counter-protesters, violence ensued. Dozens of people were injured, and one young woman and two police officers were killed. On behalf of the leadership of the University of Oregon, I unequivocally condemn the hatred, ignorance, and violence expressed by these white supremacist and white nationalist groups. Our university community rejects any ideologies or groups that embrace racist, homophobic, misogynistic, or anti-Semitic views. Under the guise of patriotism, too many people in our nation are betraying our common understanding that we are all, quote, created equal. I am appalled by the voices of hate who feel empowered in our nation. All of us must stand against this scourge of ignorance and intolerance. The tragedy in Charlottesville is a reminder of the critical importance of the work we are currently undertaking at the UO to build a truly inclusive community of academic excellence. When students and faculty members return to campus in late September, we will continue with renewed vigor and commitment, our efforts to make this university more respectful, more inclusive, and more welcoming to people of all races and ethnicities, all nationalities and religions, all sexual orientations and gender identities, and all abilities. I hope you will join with me in this important work. Thank you, Michael H. Schill, President and Professor of Law. Recommended reading from this episode, Sarah Rose's news article entitled Eugene Community Gathers in Response to Charlottesville, Billy's column from April titled UO Needs to Address That White Nationalists Were on Campus, Andy Field's June story titled Dunn Hall is now renamed Unthink Hall, and Troy Shin's story from August 2016 titled Minorities Still Feel Eugene's Historical Link to the Ku Klux Klan. You can find all these articles at dailyemerald.com. Music in this episode was A1 Rogue, Trailways A, and Vanagon by Pottington Bear. 2020 is a new series from the Emerald Podcast Network produced by me, Alec Cowan. You can subscribe to the Emerald Podcast Network on iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever you find your podcasts. And you can stream them directly from the Emerald homepage at dailyemerald.com. This is 2020. Thanks for listening.